This episode has been brought to you by Notion. As a CMO Wild Apricot, I'm constantly asking my team questions like, how much is an email worth? How is that Google AdWords campaign performing? What's the ROI on that webinar we just held? At the business level, I'm asking about other metrics like, what's our CAC payback period? What was our net churn last month? And what was the average deal size for Q3 this year? These questions require multiple inputs from multiple different sources, often involving multiple people who have access in different places. With Notion, you can bring all your data together in one place. It connects with key tools like Jira, Mixpanel, Zendesk, and MailChimp. It allows multiple stakeholders to collaborate to generate key business reports. And most importantly, it gives you one hub for all your business intelligence data so that you always have a pulse on your business. Get started for free at www.usenotion.com. That address again is www.usenotion.com. And now on to the show. You're listening to How to SaaS, the number one podcast to grow your cloud software company with marketing, sales, and customer success in just 10 minutes a day. Each episode will feature a tip, hack, or secret to take your SaaS company to the next level. And now, here's your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode. I'm super excited for our guest today. Her name is Elle Morgan. She is the VP of Marketing at a company called Woopra, which is a customer journey analytics company. What's interesting about Woopra is they allow you to integrate your data across multiple platforms to be able to track the customer journey all the way through from marketing's uh, activities, for example, when you capture a lead using a Google ad, all the way to their activity inside the product. So think about it as mixed panel, meets Google Analytics all in one platform, but it connects to all of your data sources like Zendesk, like Google Analytics, like your marketing automation platform and everything else. What's interesting about my conversation with Elle is that we talk about a concept called product qualified leads. And it's specifically relevant for companies that are based on a freemium or a free trial model where you don't have as many salespeople to talk one-to-one to all of your leads or opportunities. And Al talks about using a platform like Whooper or anything else really to identify who are the most qualified leads in your funnel based on their product activity. And she terms them product qualified leads. So an example from Wild Apricot would be, we know that if a customer uploads their database into our software, they're far more likely to move from a free trial stage to a paid account status because of a lot of analytics and and data modeling that we've done with our customers. Well, for every business that is on a freemium or a free trial model, all of those checkpoints, there there are a lot of checkpoints like that across the customer journey. So PQLs are a form of identifying which customers trip those wires at those states and using your sales team to reach out to the most qualified leads based on their activity inside the product. The reason I wanted to do this episode is it's a different way to look at how to look at lead qualification and lead nurturing and taking that lead all the way to closed one status, especially for uh, SaaS companies that are in more of this transactional uh, market. So pay attention to a lot of what Elle has to say and think about how you can leverage some of the product activities of your freemium or free trial customers to identify the most qualified leads and help them get to that closed status. And that's it, guys. Enjoy the episode. All right, Elle, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being on and taking the time. Uh, So why don't we get started by you introducing yourself to the audience and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. um, So I lead our marketing team at Rupra 
and we get to spend our time finding new ways to tell stories with data, both for ourselves and for the customers using our platform. Uh, but Wooper is a customer analytics platform that was really born organically out of natural human curiosity. So when the company first kicked off, Google Analytics was really the only solution available to monitor website traffic. And when our founders were using it back in the day, they said, okay, this is great, but who are these people? Where did they come from? What are, what are they doing next? And so they built this product that would allow marketers to kind of dive deeper into their website data and, and find that who behind the numbers. And then they said, okay, this is great. Now we have this product. Um, how are people using it? What are they doing inside the product? Um, where are they getting lost? So for us, the natural next addition was adding product analytics to website analytics. Um, and then like back in 2012, 2014, we had this huge boom in SaaS, right? And suddenly they realized that all of these organizations were using dozens of tools to communicate with. They had Zendesk and, and Salesforce and Slack and MailChimp and they started wanting to ask more questions of the data, like how do support tickets impact conversions or where are the bottlenecks in our customer journey? Um, but to really answer those questions, we needed data from our marketing automation platform, our CRM, our support tool, payment processors. So they kind of realized we have a couple of big problems before we can answer these questions. First, how can we you know, help companies streamline this data unification process and make it as easy as possible to bring in data from every tool and, and team. But second, how can we make this platform flexible enough to um, adapt to different business models or, or needs while being friendly and approachable? So say anyone in the organization could use it to ask and answer questions. Um, and that last part was really important because at the time um, people were relying on their engineering team to query SQL data for them. And Tomas Tunga's, describes this really well. He wrote this book called Winning with Data. And he describes a scenario, and I'm sure you've experienced it too at some point, but where marketers and, and other people in the organization are waiting in this data breadline to get the answers that they need. Um, so basically they're going, they're saying, okay, I need product engagement data. They you know, take a little tab, wait in line. And we didn't want our platform to be that way. You know, We wanted it to be something where anyone can come to access that data without having to wait. So Invest a lot of time and resources introducing what we call App Connect, which is basically a suite of integrations that will instantly bring in data from all the different SaaS tools that you're using, like your Marketo and Stripe and Zendesk. Um, and streaming in this data isn't raw in this sense, so it comes labeled and, and customized. So basically, if you install, let's say, Clearbit, the data enrichment tool, instead of having this raw data coming in, it'll come into the system labeled and categorized. So no matter what your level of data expertise, you can start using the information in your analysis. So yeah, this really brought us to where we are today and our vision for the future. We wanted something that wasn't just like product analytics for product people or marketing analytics for marketing people, but this idea of unified analytics for everyone. So you can ask, any question about any user or customer touch point and have your answers immediately available, skipping that data breadline if you can. Mm -hmm. 
And that is a big, big vision to have for the product. Um, but the world has changed quite a bit, right, since you guys came along this journey. Because before there was only Google Analytics, but now there's Kiss Metrics and Mixpanel and Segment.io. And there's there's tons of tools out there. So what, what really separates Whoopra and how you guys approach the same problem? Yeah, I mean, I think even when you look at some of those other tools, and Segment's a partner of ours. So I would say one of the hardest things with getting set up on any analytics solution is finding the right data to send to the system, um, putting that into you know some type of format that's easily easily accessible or, or readable by that platform. And for people who already have their data in Segment, it just makes it ten times easier for them to come and set up Woopra. So instead of having to find their product data and talk to their marketing team, all of their data is already there. So it's kind of a plug and play solution to get analytics on that data. But if you head over to, you know, Mixpanel and, and Kissmetrics and those other guys, they're all great tools. Um, but you'll find that, you know, Kissmetrics is very focused on marketers and uh, Mixpanel is very focused on product people, which is great. Um, but we feel like to really understand this customer experience, you can't continue to look at your data in those silos of your teams. It has to be bigger than that, macro and micro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This idea that the data that the product people have can help the marketers and the data that the marketers have can help the product people. So why are they being housed in separate places? Right. Why is it just data for a certain team? You, I realize, you know, we'll talk about PQL, but even going through this PQL exercise before, I had never had any access to product data. And I realized that there are certain features of our product that cause people to convert. And those are the features that I need to be doing more marketing around. So when you start to have access to from data to from these different sources, um, it can really optimize your marketing strategy and, and the customer experience as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, so define that. So you mentioned the, the term PQL. What do you mean by that and, and, and what goes into that, that metric? Yeah. So the PQL is the uh, product qualified lead. And it's a concept that we already kind of adopted to an extent before I'd heard about it. Um, we didn't really know we were doing it. So I, I mentioned to Muzz before I stumbled across an article of his from back in like 2012 and I was reading it and he's talking about PQL and how PQL leads can convert at like around 50%. And I said, like, wait a minute, I think we're already doing this, but we really need to expand on this idea and, and learn a little bit more about it. So PQL basically flips the traditional lead funnel upside down. So instead of starting top of the funnel with like marketing engagement, it's starting at the bottom with product adoption. And uh, yeah, my last company, and I'm sure this is true for most of us marketers, um, my goal was to deliver on a set number of MQLs every month. So clicks and impressions were great, engagement on my content was awesome, but the most important KPI was MQLs. That's what I would bring to the board every month. And you know, we use some lead scoring to identify hot leads, like I'm sure most of you do. So we were looking at, you know, are they engaging with our content? How are they behaving on our website? Um, have they attended an event with us? And and sometimes we could look at corporate fit data, like maybe revenue or employee headcount. Um, and then all of these leads would basically go into a bucket for SDRs to qualify, right? Some of which could um, immediately be qualified and others we actually would send to this kind of black hole called Dan's house, which is where an intern would review these leads and then nine, nine times out of 10, most of them would go into um, this black hole or, or enter this drip campaign. So it was a huge waste for all of these leads that weren't getting touched. And then, you know, coming to Woopra, 
I kind of got my first taste of a company running on a real try before you buy model. So you can sign up at any time, test the product as long as you want, and upgrade when you're ready. So all of a sudden, when I'm here taking over marketing, I'm seeing all these new leads coming in. Um, and then instead of just having a few, we were having thousands, right? So I feel like on a freemium model, try before you buy, it's much harder to qualify when you have hundreds of thousands of leads coming in because people are more than happy to sign up and try your product. It's just getting them to that next step. Getting them to pay. Right. But this time, um, I had access to more than just marketing data. I had product engagement data. So I could see who was signing up, um, but I could also see how they were behaving within the product, how engaged they were, what aspects of the product they were testing. Um, so this really got the wheels turning in my head. And uh, it was powerful because when you think about it, I don't know, how many times do you enter your email to download a piece of content? All the time. All the time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And for me, like, I'd say less than 10% of the time, and I'm actually a good fit for that product. But you're interested in the piece of content. More. Yeah, you just want to learn. Um, which means that, you know, for that organization, for the next 90 days, all of their efforts are going to be focused on trying to target me and basically, you know, wasting their time and energy. And, and, and so, sorry, you got access to this data, basically, because you guys drink your own Kool-Aid, right? So right. you're using Whoopra, uh, Whoopra, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, for us, we have a small sales team, um, and so time is a really precious commodity. So in this PQL model, leads essentially will qualify themselves. I mean, a solid PQL model can look at corporate fit data, like demographics, company info, title, um, technographic data, like are they using a competitor or do they have a tech stack that makes sense for us, and product engagement data. So if you combine all of this into a formula that dynamically scores leads as they come in and, and that score can adjust based on their product engagement, you can maintain this steady stream of qualified leads just piping into your sales team. Mm-hmm. And just for the audience, like a, a, maybe a live example would be something like uh, somebody downloaded a white paper, so now they're in your lead database. But let's say in product they uploaded a contact list or connected their key analytics tool that would update their lead score and make them a product qualified lead. Absolutely, yeah. And we've even set up like a Slack channel called High Value Signups. So whenever someone meets that specified engagement criteria, our sales team gets a notification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think um, it's uh, one of the weird things that I find in SaaS companies is that there are a lot of boundaries drawn. So it's like, hey, marketing, your line is this little this this little dotted line here, and don't cross it because that's where you hand off a lead to sales. And sales, here's a line for you. From here on out, customer success takes over. And customer success, your job is to onboard, but after that, leave them alone. It goes to support. Whereas right. there's so much data each of them has that can actually help the other that the lines actually are counterintuitive. And it like makes sense to an extent. Like That is the most... We, we've been operating that way for years. It's very comfortable. It's comfortable to know that I, as a marketer, only have to deliver on MQ, MQLs. And after that, if like the sales team doesn't close it, like it's their fault. Like... We've been doing that for so long that it's become so comfortable. Um, but when you really start to look in the data across the organization and see how uh, a marketing campaign might drive support tickets that impacts product engagement, um, I think a whole new world of opportunity and understanding about who your customers are opens up. And it's no longer about teams. It's about like 
cross-company collaboration. Like, how can we make the customer experience better, no matter what touch point they're at? That's why, it's, that's why actually a lot of people approach me often and they say, oh yeah, so you're a marketer, right? And my answer is always like, no, I'm not a marketer. I'm My primary focus is on growth strategy. And then right. marketing is one of the levers to do that. So if I need to do, let's say, pay-per-click or content marketing to get more leads, we'll do that. But oftentimes I meet a company and they're doing they're, they're doing content marketing when they I haven't even figured out their free trial to, to paid account conversion process. Right. So my advice to them is like, stop stop blogging just go back inside the product what's your messaging there what's the product marketing you're doing what's the trigger based email notifications that you're sending do you even know your conversion rates and all that which i think a lot of people miss it's like well i'm a marketer so my job is to do content marketing right yeah and you know it's not until you start looking at the data that you realize that maybe a good majority of those people who are looking at your marketing aren't at all interested and you might be wasting your time or maybe the content isn't geared toward the right audience but you don't know that until you look at the data and it's so easy to sit with like our job descriptions and, and do what we think we're supposed to do. But when you look at the big picture, like, okay, how can I today like help to make this company better? Not not just today, but in the long term. Like what's gonna have the biggest impact two years down the road? Um, that's when you start to be really strategic about the types of marketing campaigns that you're running because you're not just looking at conversions, you're looking at who's going to bring the best types of people that will stay with us, not just for a month, but for the next three, four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's funny, Wild Apricot, we, we have five modules inside of our product and one of them is a website builder. And if, you, if we thought about it in a traditional sense, one of the KPIs for the marketing team is how many trials we generate, right? But right. I could be out there comp competing with Wix and Squarespace on that website builder keyword and get thousands of trials daily right. if I really wanted to, but they would not be the best lead. And if we looked at metrics like 90-day uh, retention or upgrade rate or NPS, you start to right. learn that you're getting all the wrong people inside the door, and then you need to change your marketing at the front. So that's why I really like what you're saying, which is connecting that product activity, because somebody could be giving you their email they could be a website visitor they could be opening your nurture sequence or clicking on your Facebook ad but they could be completely the wrong person right and you know if you're on this like try before you buy a model it's it's really hard as a marketer because you get excited when you get signups and oh my gosh all this website traffic like it's really hard not to get excited about that um, but when you look at the data, it's great that those people are coming. It's great that they've heard about you. But when you're thinking about where to focus your your sales efforts, you need to be focused on these long-term customers. People are not just coming and signing up. The people that are actually signing up for the long term. Mm -hmm. So, so you mentioned something interesting earlier. You said um, with the PQL model, it's almost slipping it up and on its head. So, let's say somebody isn't currently doing that, what would be the process to start uh, implementing this PQL approach into uh, the acquisition model? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely no secret recipe and every organization is different. Um, but there are a few things you should definitely think about, right? Like, first, are you a good fit for PQL? Are you, you know, operating on a, a tribe before you buy or freemium model? Um, think, you know, Slack, MailChimp, Box, Wistia, those type of companies have all done freemium really, really well. So I think if you're not tracking some type of product engagement data, or if you're not on a freemium or try before you die, try before you buy model, that becomes very difficult. Um, and I would say like the next step is identifying what data you have at your disposal, um, what data you're going to need to build this lead scoring model. 
And for any organization, you should be looking at points such as, you know, what is the What's the combination of behaviors that will trigger users to convert into customers? And that's going to be completely different for everyone uh, and definitely easier said than done. But I'd say it's an exercise totally worth your time. It forces you to kind of dig into the data, understand what your most successful customers look like. And, well, for example, when I did that exercise, we were digging in the product data and I wanted to identify what behaviors or actions were indicative of an engaged user to start to build this model. And I kind of mentioned this before, we found out that when people were adding our JavaScript tracking snippet, they were 30% more likely to convert. And uh, the next step we realized was that when people sent their first custom event to Woopra, like uh, a sign-up form or a video view, they were 50% more likely to convert. So I wouldn't have known that unless I'd had the opportunity to dig in that data. And now that I do, I know that we should really be trying to put our marketing and sales efforts around that 50% and try to educate people as much as possible on how to do those first initial two steps. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that With that second step. I think, um, I think a lot of marketers aren't connected to what are the the micro milestones that a user needs to hit before they can get to a paid account status. Um, one example I'll use for the Wild Apricot, for us a key milestone is if a nonprofit or small association imports their membership database into, into Wild Apricot. Uh-huh. Because once they've done that, it's easier to schedule events, it's easier to send emails, it makes more sense to have a website for those members, and that, that ends up leading to higher upgrade rate. Uh, and others, other examples that I've heard is a um, uh, platform like Wix. For them, it's like selecting the theme and customizing that theme or importing yeah. a logo. Um, there's a software company called Meet Edgar. They were actually on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. Oh, yeah, I know them. Yeah, so Laura, the CEO, she shared that a key milestone for their users is that they import their library, so all the social media posts that would be going out and syndicate, syndicating on repeat, if you upload that library, then your odds of staying with Meet Edgar are way higher, right? So what I think people need to first figure out is, and this is going to require some data mining, right? You need some sort of an analyst to say, what are the possible variables because of which our upgrade rate from free goes to paid account status and look at all of them and then once you identify the top three or four, use that as an input into your lead scoring. Yeah, and it's you know it helps out the marketers, it helps out the sales team, but also on the product side, if they know that, okay, if a person does these two things, they're 50% more likely to convert, wouldn't they want to make it as easy as possible for people to do those three things in the product? Like, it gives them something to work on too. Like, how can we make this entire process seamless so that they can get to pass these two steps and then have a higher chance of converting. Absolutely, yeah. Actually, I'll give one example there too. Is um, I, I mentioned import is a really key step, but one thing we found with our trials is we were having errors on that import screen for a period of like two weeks, and mm-hmm. the number of upgrades declined during that time, right? And it, it was like, it was if there was a period of time when we weren't tracking it, and then as we started to dig deeper, we learned that that's what had changed. And ever since then, now we actively track uh, whether how, how many import failures there are, right? yeah. and that way we can keep a pulse on it. Whereas before, we didn't even think that it was part of our funnel. Right, and you know, for you guys, you might have thought, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm doing something wrong on the marketing side, and that's right. you know why people aren't converting when in fact it was a small error with the product. So. 
you can never know those things unless you you know start to look at the big picture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What what are some examples within Woopra where you guys have done or you guys have implemented this? Um, as far as customer examples or well, customers or or for yourself for for your marketing efforts. Yeah, so from our our marketing efforts, we we have a formula. So we look at um, product engagement. There are three things that we measure: have they installed the tracking code? Have they sent their first custom event? Um, and then we also look at if they've installed one of our App Connect integrations. That's a great indication that they might be a good fit. Um, we also pull in corporate fit data. So for us, we're looking at employee headcount. We are looking at revenue. And then we are also looking at uh, technologies used. So if somebody is, you know, maybe just getting started with Google Analytics, um, maybe not the best fit. But if they're a little further down the funnel, maybe they use Google Analytics 360, then they're probably a company who's heavily invested in analytics, who's, you know, looking for a broader solution. And that's a good indicator to us that they might be a good fit. So, you know, we pull in all the data. There's a little formula that runs on the back end. We send that to Salesforce and to our Slack and it helps our small but mighty sales team know where to put the rest of their effort. And for the rest of the people, you know, they come in, they try the product, and, and once they hit that milestone, if they do, great, we'll reach out. Otherwise, you know, we let them enjoy it, like play around with it. If they decide it's right for them, eventually it'll happen. But that's part of the fun, I think, of freemium too, is you get so many people from so many different walks of life going in and playing with your product and giving you this constant stream of feedback and you know, not feeling guilty because they're they're getting it for free. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so your sales team is only reaching out to people that cross that PQL threshold. Right. Yeah. Or people who have specifically requested a demo. I see. Okay. So how many people are on your sales team right now? Uh, two. Right. See, like that. That's that's us too. Like one, we have a user onboarding team, and we have two reps on there that are constantly manning live chat and then they also do deal with demos uh, but they are going after specific people and it's really important because I'm looking at Whoopers pricing right now and the highest pricing plan is $5.99 a month and there's there's one contact sales if you have more than that but uh, within that kind of an ACV model you're, you're making five six thousand a month so it's not like you can deploy a lot of sales resources so you almost have to find a way to focus on the most qualified ones yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. I mean, um, yeah, we have a couple of other customers doing something similar. I don't know if you've heard of Cloud App. No. But yeah, so they have a service. It's like a cloud sharing, so you can take screenshots and videos, and it's all hosted in the cloud. But they do something similar, which is really cool, where um, they built out their funnel and said, okay, for the people who uh, signed up in their organization and created their you know, first screen share, um, then they're 10% more likely to convert. After their first video, they're 20% more likely. And then they also look at within the organization, um, they're kind of like a Slack model where they do the whole land and expand, they can get one person in using it, and then that person kind of helps to spread it across the entire department. Mm -hmm. So they say, okay, how engaged is this person? Um, what is the likelihood that other people in their department will use it? And then they'll actively reach out to the other people in their organization to say, hey, it looks like, this person, Shiv, is really engaged with Cloud App. It might be a good fit for you, too. You should ask him about it. Um, so, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, that's great. That's great. So, so talk about how, like, who's the ideal client for Whoopra? Like, what would be the type of person, the company that would find an ideal place for this, this tool within their, their marketing stack? Yeah. Um, you know, for Whoopra, 
I would say a little smaller organizations, mid-market, maybe, you know, some of our enterprise customers, if you can call them enterprise, they're on our enterprise plan, our smallest 10 people, right? So it really depends on how how much you want to invest in your analytics, um, not just from a financial standpoint, but but time-wise and and understanding your customers. And we seem to find that the smaller organizations are a little more agile. Um, They have uh, heavily invested growth teams who want to keep their tabs on like the different data in the organization and um, really people who are very, very product focused, who care about knowing how product engagement is impacting the other departments in the organization. So I think you have to have that data driven mindset. But beyond that, the leadership team has to be heavily invested in this idea of democratizing or liberating data throughout the organization, giving everyone access to the data that they need at any given time. And even if it's a small investment initially, I think it's also kind of a mental shift for companies, especially if you've come from an organization that's a little bigger, like I was at Edmonds, where I would have never had access to what people were doing on my website. And I was on the marketing team, right? I was doing corporate communications. But when companies get to that size, I feel like if they didn't start with that mentality, it's a lot harder to get them to convert. Right, right. No, that's great. Um, I think I think this is a good place to stop. Also, do you have any other uh, final thoughts that you want to share before we wrap it up? Let's see. I mean, I think I would definitely challenge marketers to, I guess, get out of their comfort zone a bit. At least for me, like the thought of diving into product engagement data was super intimidating. Um, but if you work with your engineering team and, and track the right product events, it can change the game for everyone in the organization. And uh, now, today we talked a lot about like marketing and sales, but said if CS teams can have access to identify customer health and reach out to customers before they churn, that can give you a great foundation for answering support tickets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the more I learn about data, which by the way, I'm still a spring chicken, <laughs> uh, but the learning more about it, the more that I believe that I've been measuring marketing success all wrong for the last nine years. And I honestly just didn't know any better. I knew what I had at my disposal. But now that I can see, okay, which campaigns are not just driving leads, but driving conversions. And of those campaigns, which are not just driving conversions, but are driving lifelong customers, then it's really helped me to focus my marketing strategy, um, especially if you're in a subscription business. Because at the end of the day, that can have the the biggest impact on the organization. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome, and I want to take the chance to just appreciate you for doing this because I think this is a really important message for all the marketers out there. But you know, using in-product engagement in terms of how they think about the overall business growth, and and I think the customer success point is also really well taken because I think this can help you find that third lever of growth in a SaaS company, which is lowering the number of people that are churning every single year. So, uh, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Awesome. Thanks. Wonderful. See ya. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.howtosass.com. And we will see you next time.